Hello, and welcome to Their World, a podcast focused on respectful engagement, inclusion, and civility in the workplace. I'm Dr. Robin Rosenberg, and every month we hear from guests to discuss different aspects of workplace issues relevant to organizational culture, human resources, diversity, equity, inclusion, and risk mitigation. Join us as we jump in. Our guest today is Betty Ng, the founder and CEO of Inspiring Diversity, which provides organizations, educators, and families with solutions to build inclusive and high-performing culture. She's also co-founder of TIQ, which empowers people to think, act, and interact inclusively. Betty is a number one best-selling author, tech and media entrepreneur, trainer, professional speaker, consultant, and thought leader. Prior to founding Inspiring Diversity, Betty was a senior VP of corporate development with 20 years of corporate and financial services experiences at organizations including Moody's, Citigroup, American Express, and Arthur Anderson. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School. We're very excited to have her, Betty. Welcome. Thank you so much, Robin. I am excited to be here. Tell us about how inspiring diversity leverages authenticity. So about four years ago, I I wrote a book with my mother, whose name is Poling, and the book is called Poling Power, Propelling Yourself and Others to Success. And so my mother's story really is about how do you really propel your authentic self and others to success while managing what matters. And in fact, I developed a framework called Polling Power based on her name, which actually encompasses those key considerations for what it means to propel yourself and others while managing what matters, not just for yourself, but for your organization and those around you. So, so what's, what is, what is the secret there? (laughs) Yes. Um, So I can, I can essentially tell you the, you know, what, what polling power stands for. So polling power is really an acronym and it's actually a decision evaluation and measurement tool, uh, which really focuses on the polling consideration. So P for persevering for your purpose, O for helping others to succeed and addressing pain points that are out there, L for leading. I for inspiring, N for networking, and G for growing. But it's not just important to live according to polling. Those considerations that are actually really, when you think about polling, it's both about the me and the we with purpose and growing, more about the me like and, and, and myself. But really, when you think about others leading, inspiring, and networking, that's really about your relationship with others, your impact on others. In addition to thinking about polling, you really think you have, and as you're living by by polling, you really need to think about managing what matters for yourself and for those around you. So you can live by polling, but if you're not managing what matters ultimately, then what's the point? So polling power is really a framework that keeps you focused on living according to polling, but also doing so while living according to the power considerations, which are really about P for priorities. Is what you're doing aligned with your and your organizational priorities 
owe for obligations? Is what you're doing really helping you to meet your and your organization's obligations? W for worthwhile activities, which is really about, is what you're doing having the impact that you're seeking? E for energy, is what you're doing energizing you and those around you? And then finally, R is for resources, is what you're doing to live according to polling, really aligned with resources in terms of resources that you and your organization have access to. So it's a decision evaluation and measurement tool that really helps you think about what, what is ultimately important to you, but also important to others. So therefore you can be your authentic self, but you can do so in an impactful way, not just impact for yourself, but impact for others. I, I love so many different pieces in what you said. Um, let me just unpack a couple of strands, if I may. Sure. So one is um, data orientation, right? That it's a, it's a tool, but there, there actually are numbers behind it. The other thing that I like is the, uh, the I is embedded in we, if you will. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, I know that um, when people use the term authentic self or authenticity, it, it can be troublesome. I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, I am who I am. Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. In terms of, yeah, just, just uh, piggybacking off of the last thing that you were saying. Yes, it's one thing to be authentic, but there's also another thing about being unprofessional, which is oftentimes where, you know, authenticity and, you know, trouble sometimes come into play. When we talk about authenticity, we're not talking about being unprofessional and just saying anything and everything that comes into your head and your mind, <laughs> right? So it really is about, you know, thinking about your, you know, identity, your background, and your vision. So when I think of authenticity, I think of it in three phases, right? Or, you know, three aspects, your authenticity in terms of your past, your present and your future past being in terms of your background, what has actually influenced you to become who you are, which leads also to to the present in terms of what do you bring to the table, right? Your your experiences, your perspectives, and, and so forth. And then the future is really about the vision that you have for yourself. And so, so really it's, it's thinking about those dimensions, um, but, but really at the end of the day, it, it is not about, you know, yeah, as I said, you know, just saying what you, you know, feel like saying and, and, and really intentionally offending people. Right. I, I love it because I um, will often hear people, particularly who have been to um, business school, yes. you know, talk about the importance of the authentic self but, but it's a version of it, which is um, who I am uh, unrestrained in a way and, mm -hmm. and that I should be my most authentic self. And, and there isn't any contextual element. It's really more your best self, ideally. Um, because, you know, if someone, someone's authentic self is to be very uh, easily, to, to get angry quite easily, that we don't want them to be their authentic self. <laughs> yeah, so so it's interesting because I also do uh, a number of talks on leveraging your identity as your superpower. And that's oftentimes how I think about authenticity is 
how is your identity? How is your background? What you bring to the table, your superpower in terms of right. really, you know, impacting change and making a difference. I love it. That's the best self, right? It's that's the Absolutely. authentic self is the best self. I love it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. As companies prioritize their diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, there is understandable anxiety about these initiatives and interventions. How will they be received? Will they help the organization achieve their objectives? The Live in Their World program has one goal, to help employees develop more respectful ways to interact with each other. They go a step beyond traditional handbooks, seminars, and discussions, and offer employees a chance to experience what it is actually like to stand in their colleagues' shoes. Are you interested in exploring the next generation of civility training? Visit liveintheirworld.com to learn more. That's liveintheirworld.com. All right, now let's go back a little bit and tell us the origin story of Inspiring Diversity, now that we know a little more about it. <laughs> Great. So for over 20 years, I was that woman of color rising up the ranks to become a senior executive in corporate America. Frankly, I had my share of challenges as well as successes. And also outside of work, I frankly been a victim of hate incidents. Mm. And so those ex painful experiences of being othered in different aspects of my life ultimately informed my purpose, which is really about being a builder of inclusive culture. And it was really that purpose that fueled my conviction to develop what I call the promise, those solutions that I felt should have always existed for both the individuals as well as organizations in terms of truly fostering cultures or a culture of diversity with inclusion. And so inspiring diversity is really the culmination of my journey from pain to purpose and promise. So really, you know, focusing on those solutions that that I feel really will make an impact. And so really the since we started Inspiring Diversity over five years ago, really been focused on building those multifaceted solutions mm -hmm. to to really drive that that cultural change and development. And why the focus in the name on diversity rather than inclusion, rather than equity, rather than something else? Is there a special meaning for you around using the well, word diversity there? I, I guess I would actually focus more on the word inspiring, right? When I, because it's really about driving change from the heart. And so when I thought of the name inspiring diversity, it was a combination of highlighting people from different backgrounds, right? That I thought would be inspiring to all, but also on the flip side as well, inspiring diversity in terms of really reminding people of the importance of diversity and being inspired from the heart, not just the mind. So mm -hmm. really driving change, because we talk about the business case for diversity and inclusion 
all the time. People are very familiar with the business case that it drives the bottom, increases innovation, drives the bottom line, et cetera. But yet we do not see a lot of you know, real change. I mean, I, I should say substantial change, even though the business case is so clear. And I think part of it is that you can't just focus on the business case. You need to really drive change from the heart because when you create change from the heart, relatability, that empathy, right? That is actually the stronger force for change. And that's why, you know, I, I called my, my company Inspiring Diversity. Thank you for that. And I think we both shared that, um, the value of empathy, you know, our, my company uses virtual reality to try to pump that up. Uh, yours uses different methodology, but, but we both see how clearly moving people in one way, shape or form is the most important element to the cascading effect that leads to behavior change. Would you? Absolutely, absolutely. I think empathy is is extremely important and um, because it really is about human connection, right? And how do we relate to each other? Why is it ultimately important to, to build a culture of diversity with inclusion? What's fundamentally in it for me, right? And we need to feel that vested interest and, and connection like know that our actions, what we do, fundamentally do impact other people in a real way, right? And yeah. understanding people's stories, how they've been shaped, right? Right. So tell us about some of the results that you found, what, what surprised you or what confirmed what you already knew, but, but now you have proof. Well, maybe we can take a, a step back uh, in terms of, let me describe to you the multifaceted solutions that Inspiring Diversity um, is focused on. It's really, you know, we, we bucket them into primarily four different categories. One is, as you said, it's about empowering authenticity and success, which we mentioned is what polling power is about. The other thing is, yeah, we have partnered with TyQ, which I also co-founded, which is really about, well, hey, it's not enough to just empower authenticity. If you don't have an environment that actually embraces and accepts and includes authenticity, then authenticity in itself, you know, will never flourish and will never thrive. So you need to have both the empowerment of the authenticity, but you also need to create that environment where authenticity and diversity can truly flourish. The other thing that we very much focus on is deepening cultural competence specifically. And really, and that's where a lot of the storytelling comes into play, right? With respect to truly understanding and appreciating the stories as well as the contributions, successes, and challenges of people of different backgrounds. And then from there, we also provide solutions that are that help children learn all of those things. Because as we know, as a society, if we are truly to, to drive real change, that also means 
arming our children with those same development opportunities because you know the children are our future right and if we are going to create long term sustainable change it's about embedding you know those behaviors and values that embrace diversity of inclusion within our children it it really is about creating a solution that really helps people at all life stages right in terms of you know what can i do to be more inclusive right which as we know you know when we break things down individual behavior what is culture culture is the sum of the individuals right and so how we as individuals therefore you know think act and interact with respect to inclusion influences not only our organizations um but also the communities around us in terms of how the organiz- you know how how they look with respect to diversity and inclusion and representation how how they act with respect to promoting diversity with inclusion and how they feel in terms of the ultimate sense of people's belonging and equity so you know in terms of what we found is that it's really important to actually drive that individual behavior while the systems at the organization community level need to be in place ultimately we're all individuals that make up the organizations and so how we as individuals act ultimately will very much influence all the other things that everyone is talking about with respect to diversity inclusion equity and belonging so that's actually what you know what everything that we've been doing shows it does boil down to individual behavior because we're as individuals the ones who are putting those policies and procedures and everything else in place but if we don't think inclusively then those policies procedures everything else will never happen absolutely agree with you um a couple of strands i want to unthread here so yeah. one is tell us about taiku since you mentioned it to help people understand how what that is how it's different than inspiring diversity and then we'll we'll go to some other strands yeah so so i actually consider taiku as part of the inspiring diversity suite but you know really it's a partnership that that we've created with with taiku as an organization of which i am one of the co-founders and taiku specifically so think of it this way taiku is instead of your eq or your iq it's your taiku your think act interact quotient for inclusive behavior and it is really with taiku which does a combination of um assessing and measuring behaviors but also developing them as well and so um so really it is about the think act and interact cuz a lot of times people will say hey yeah robin i'm inclusive but do people really know what that means and honestly before i really dove into the research i don't think that even i fully appreciated what it means to be truly inclusive and Can you say more about that? Like what did yeah. you know before and and what do you think now? What did you find in your research? Well, so I guess for me, I probably was a little bit fuzzy in terms of what it 
like while I felt that I was inclusive, I was getting out there, I was meeting people of different backgrounds and, and so forth, that that was enough and that I, you know, would listen, you know, and then maybe, don't, yeah, and, and also try to be empathetic. But when you break it all down and based on the research, we actually break inclusive behavior down into eight key behaviors of being open, aware, unbiased, performance and goal-oriented with respect to actually leveraging diversity with inclusion. Um, and then also of being curious, culturally competent, collaborative and courageous. And Robin, I, I know I've heard you talk about how you love open and curious in particular, yes. right? And uh, <laughs> independently, independently, uh, actually our research showed that those are two very important um, behaviors. Skills like empathy are actually a combination of a right. few of those behaviors of being open, aware, um, you know, unbiased, curious, and culturally competent, for example. So taking five of those behaviors, but breaking empathy down, for example, into the core components. Right. And psychologists, of course, view empathy as having three different types. So even empathy is, is too broad a term in some way. Yes, exactly. So it's really providing people with more handlebars in terms of more practically speaking, what does inclusion look like? And so I don't think that I had that, that very, very practical lens before I dove into the research and developed IQ. And also, it's not just about behaving all of those things, but also breaking down into how do you think, act, and interact along those dimensions. Um, and it's really interesting because intuitively, I think most of us would be like, you know, yeah, you know, probably people tend to think more inclusively than they act and interact. Our assessments actually show that and show the data behind it that substantiate really that we tend to think more inclusively than we act and interact. So how we think unfortunately does not always manifest itself in how we act and interact, which I think is very important to make that distinction. It's not enough to just think something, you need to act and interact it in a way that actually has an impact on other people because that is ultimately what is going to, you know, really inform how people are feeling in terms of being included and how they're feeling in terms of that belonging and equity. Before you go, where can listeners who want to know more? Um, it's primarily on my website. In our next episode, Betty and I continue our conversation and talk about components of inclusion, the importance of relationships, giving each other grace, and more. Any last words? I would say really focus on building relationships with people who are different from you. And if you're looking to change or really embed inclusive culture in your organization, make sure you do so in a way that is measurable and really embedded in the day-to-day -day workflow. That's what I'll say. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of that really, really useful information with us. And it's been a pleasure to have you here. Great. Thanks a lot, Robin.
People can connect with Betty through Inspiring Diversity and through LinkedIn. See our program notes for more information. Do you have a question regarding incivility in your workplace? A monthly column called Dear Robin, authored by clinical psychologist Dr. Robin Rosenberg, aims to address workplace incivility by answering readers' real-life questions. Robin dives deep into various types of workplace incivility, from racial bias to sexism and more, and offers strategies to help mitigate these issues. New Dear Robin questions and answers are posted on the second Tuesday of each month. You can ask Robin a question yourself or simply read other people's questions and her answers. Go to liveintheirworld.com slash dearrobin. That's liveintheirworld.com slash D-E-A-R-R-O-B-I-N.